0: We want to welcome you to the First Pulpit Podcast with Pastor Brent Snook. We truly hope that the message will bring you the encouragement you need today. After you listen, we'd appreciate it if you take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. When you do, you'll be encouraging others to listen so they can discover the saving power of the gospel through God's Word. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Matthew chapter 7, building and Brent Snook just don't mix very well, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'm not a builder, and uh, at least when it comes to uh, building houses and construction and all of that kind of thing. I, when, I, when I got my first home, somebody from the church gave me a toolbox, and, and basically I still have that same toolbox, and I haven't added much to it. And that was many, many years ago, if you know what I mean. I, I, I basically have a hammer, a screwdriver, duct tape, and WT, uh, WD-40. That's, that's about what I have. And that's all I need as long as I have you and some good friends. That's what need. Well, you know, it's uh, interesting when you think about building. Let me, let me, how many of you have ever heard of uh, Mrs. Winchester? Let me tell you about Mrs. Winchester. True story. In the 1800s, Mrs. Winchester moved from somewhere in New England, I think Connecticut or somewhere, um, to San Jose, California. And she had lost her infant daughter, tragically. And then several years later, she lost her husband, to tuberculosis. And in grief, she had a dream. <clears throat> and her dream was that as long as she kept building onto her house that she would live. It was it was just a, a different type of situation. And so she took that uh, very real and she just kept building. Money was absolutely no obstacle to her. And for 38 years she added and built onto her house and it was an absolute amazing home the house consisted of 24,000 feet it had a hundred and sixty rooms it had 2,000 doors in it hundred and fifty thousand panes of glass it had 40 40 40 0 stairways 47 fireplaces, 13 bathrooms, just in case she couldn't get quick enough to, you know, one end of the house to the other. And it had six different kitchens. I'm telling you, it was a building program that lasted a lifetime. In fact, they found when she died that she had enough material in her warehouse to continue adding on for the next 40 years. Did you know that to a certain degree that you and I are builders? We're all builders. And Jesus comes and gives us a really cool short story. You and I call them parables. And he gave us a short story to talk to us and to illustrate about this very thing. Jesus actually comes to the end of his sermon and he talks about Storms, And Jesus uses this example of storms in order to illustrate and and really bring a parallel to the storms of life that you and I face. Jesus was the greatest storyteller to ever walk the streets of Israel. And that's why so many thousands and thousands of people just continually, continually were, you know, coming to hear him. He was not only the greatest storyteller to ever walk the streets of Israel, but he was the greatest story to ever walk the streets of the world. He could take the most simple things of life and make application into those things and into every person. He could take the most in-depth things of life, things that were really in-depth. I mean, the profound things of the Word of God, and he could bring them to life by giving a short story, a parable. Jesus comes to the end of his sermon, as I said, and it concludes with this parable found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He said, therefore... Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And oh, the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat upon that house. But it fell not because it was founded upon a rock. But everyone that heareth these sayings of mine... And doeth them not. He shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. I want to take this short story of Jesus and I hope and pray that all of us, no matter what age, No matter how short or long of a time we've been saved, I hope and pray to God that he will take this message and use it in your life and mine. I want you to notice there were two men, but they had the same blueprint. They had the very same blueprint. This is the story of two separate different men. Now, as I told you, Jesus is preaching his first sermon on, in his public ministry. This is the very first sermon that he preaches at the beginning of his ministry. And let me remind you, Jesus did not, listen to me, Jesus did not need to go and study his sermons, okay? Jesus Christ did not have to go and then uh, prepare a sermon and then go rehearse it, if you understand what I'm talking about. He didn't have to do that. You know why? He was the Word. (laughs) He is and was the Word. The Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that all of us have heard about. We've all probably read it. And the Sermon on the Mount is here one of the longest sermons that is recorded in the Word of God that Jesus gave. It's a sermon actually of kingdom life. And that's important for you and I to understand. Yes, there are a few things in that Sermon on the Mount that apply to salvation. But most of it has to do with those who are already in the family of God, those who are involved in kingdom living. And Jesus brings a contrast. He brings a contrast in this sermon in the way kingdom life is versus unsaved life. He brings the parallel of those who are in the family of God compared to those who are not in the family of God. And the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, that sermon is a look at the righteousness of God. Understand that. And it's a picture of the righteousness that his followers will strive to be and have because they are followers of God. This sermon is filled with content. This sermon actually is very, very deep. But Jesus, in the way that only Jesus could, brings that deep truth, and he makes it so very practical and so very real for all of us to understand and apply. He starts out the Sermon on the Mount, for example, with the Beatitudes. You've heard of those? The Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that are meek. Blessed are they, listen, that hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what we're doing tonight. I I hope that you want to see God do something. I hope that you hunger for the righteousness of God and thirst for that. And he said, "Blessed blessed are the merciful. He said, blessed are those who are really pure in heart. And then he moves on from the sermon on uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, from the Beatitudes, and he goes into things like reconciliation. He talks about marriage and divorce. He talks about worry. He talks in that Sermon on the Mount about prayer. He even talks about money. Now he comes to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and here's what he says: Therefore, all right, what does he mean? He puts the word, therefore, at the end of that sermon and he says, because of everything I have said in this sermon, everything I have just preached to you on the Sermon on the Mount, because of that, therefore. So it refers back to everything he said. Now he talks about two key ingredients to the blueprints. Talks about the blueprints, And he talks about two key ingredients. You know, when this building here, for example, the blueprints for just this building alone rolled up about that big. I mean, maybe bigger. I mean, it was huge, huge. Uh, Many of you are are builders, and you know what I'm talking about. They're blueprints that are just every detail needs to be. Well, Jesus has blueprints about these two men. He talks about how they have a set of blueprints. But there's two main things that he says are in those blueprints that are key. Number one, he hears. He hears. Jesus is sharing the blueprints of a strong life. And he says there are two things. Number one, the person with a strong life, he will hear and he will heed. What does it mean to hear? Hey, I've met plenty of people. They'll they'll. You know, they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear. They run from God's word. You ever known anybody like that? They run from God's word. They run from preaching. They run from teaching. They run from, they'll shut off Christian radio because they don't want to hear that anymore. They will shut out the wisdom of godly parents and they'll shut out the wisdom of godly friends. They don't want to hear. But the blueprint that Christ calls for is the person who hears very intently. The person who seeks God in his word. The person that listens with attention and eagerness and the person that comes with Bible in hand and notebook and pen to make sure they don't miss something. Jesus says, this person hears. But not only does he hear, he heeds. You see, truth can be present, but Jesus says, that's not enough. You've got to apply the truth that you hear. You've got to put it to use. It's got to become part of your life And when a person hears and heeds, Jesus says that person's gonna be stable and they'll be strong and they'll be unmovable. In other words, he says they will learn truth and then they will live truth. There is stability in our lives when we build on the rock. Who is the rock and what is the rock? The rock is truly Jesus Christ. The rock is built on that stable, boulder, rock of Jesus. The rock who is wise, he's omniscient, he's strong, he's true, he's Jesus. Psalm 118 verse 22 says, The stone, listen to this, which the builders refused became the headstone of the corner. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42 says this. It says, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures that the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in his eyes. So, Jesus' short story starts out talking about two different men. Two different men, same blueprint. He moves on in the story. He talks about two homes, both built. Both of them got built, so, so it looks good. Both of them wanted to build a house. Both of them were so pumped into building this house. To build something, hey, that's commendable, isn't it? It's really commendable. Don't you want to build something in your life? Every teenager here, you ought to want to build your life. Every college student, you want to, ought to go into life and in adulthood wanting to build something. Hey, don't ever lose as an adult your desire to build. That, that should be in all of us. When you come to the Scripture, there's really four things that um, a house can represent. First of all, here, a house represents life. And all of us should wanna build something in our life, make something out of our life. A house can also mean a family, according to Psalm 127. It talks about how that uh, we are a family and every person should wanna build into their family. It also can be, mean a, a, a ministry. It talks about the household of faith. But house can also mean a society because it talks about the House of Israel, right? And that's a society. You think of the White House, and it represents our society. You think of the uh, House of Congress. Both men wanted to build. That's very good. Remember, both had the same blueprints both heard the same message from the same preacher and this was an absolute, flawless, perfect sermon. So the two houses represent the lives of two different men, two different builders. And Jesus uses the illustration of a house because no matter how large or no matter how complicated, every single house is built brick by brick board by board you know what you and i are building the house of our life moment by moment day by day thought by thought decision decision by decision whether we're 20 30 50 70 or 80 So I have a question. What does your house look like? There's two piercing questions regarding a house that God talks about. Actually, the Spirit of God has Paul write about it in 1 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 3. He talks about how that some people are are building, and um, he talks about what type of a house it is? I know some people and they're, they're building a bank. You know what I mean? I mean, they're building a bank. I mean, it's just more more money, more money, money, money. success, success, success. I've got to build, and success they think is a great big. Some people are building a recreational center. Fun, 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 more fun. I've just got a recreation I mean just I work Monday through Friday just to live for the weekends. Some people are building a warehouse just accumulating more and more and more and more. Christian, may God help you and I. May God help you and me to build a temple a holy of holies where the presence of God resides first thing is what kind of a building are you building second thing is Important question is, what kind of materials are you using? Because Paul talks about how that there's gold, silver, and precious stones, and and that which lasts forever, that which will not be burned up. But then he talks about the other side, and that's using wood, hay, and stubble, that which is very temporal, that which will be built, uh, burned up. All right, now both of these homes, they're done. Jesus said both of them got built. And both of them appeared to be really well-built. They appeared, they looked really good. These houses now, both of them, they're finished and they're furnished. But oh, what a difference. What a difference. By the way, I'm telling you the difference is not very often obvious to the people who pass by the house. Nope, they're not. But one day, I would imagine one of those houses, the guy's walking through his living room and he sees a crack, and it's like it just appeared. And he takes and he sands that thing down and he repairs that crack in the wall And everything looks good again. Everything's fine. Until several months later, again, crack in the wall. Man, he gets a little worried. But he's patched it up several times. But the outside, when people walk by, they're walking down the beach and they're looking at that house and they're saying, that is one nice home. Yeah, two men, same blueprint. Two homes, both of them get built. But now we come to both foundations. And both of them get battered. There's an evident difference in these two builders now, and the story all of a sudden changes. But I want you to notice with me there are two things that we see as we look at the two foundations. Number one, what's the structure? Because that's really where the story and the difference in the story takes place. The structure of these two houses. One guy built his house on the rock. The other guy built his house on the sand. And the key to the entire structure of both of them is what's underneath, what we don't see. What is the structure? And this is true. I'm telling you whether it's a small house or whether it's a massive tower. Probably many of you have been to the Sears Tower in Chicago. It used to be the tallest building in the world. At the top of that tower, man, the wind blows like crazy. Did you know that they say that the wind can blow and that tower can sway to one foot either direction? How in the world can that massive structure keep from blowing over? How in the world can that thing keep from blowing over, especially when it's in the windy city? You know the answer to that, it's all because of the foundation. What you've done is you've looked at that tower and you say, that's amazing. You maybe have been up to the tower and maybe you ate in the restaurant up there as I have. Maybe you have gone and you have just gone up and it's an amazing thing. Maybe you just looked at it from the sidewalk in the city and you say, that's an amazing building. Have you ever studied the foundation? Did you know that the foundation is 100 feet deep? 100 feet deep did you know that there are over 200 circular caissons which are huge cement filled cylinders over 200 of them and they're bored 100 feet below and they are set in absolute solid bedrock you want a strong stable life You want to get through the surface stuff and get down to the core of your soul? I'm telling you, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. But so many people don't want to dig down. They don't want to go down and expose their hearts and see what's really there. Too many people, they don't want to see the frailty of their building. They just want to hope that when the storm comes, it'll be okay. You build your house on the sand, and Satan will come over like the big bad wolf and blow your house over like you never dreamed You are no match for Satan, my friend. And I am no match for Satan. You say, are you afraid of Satan? I want to tell you what. As long as I have the Spirit of God and the God of the Spirit with me, no, I don't think about the devil. But I want to tell you one thing right now. I'm not messing with him. And if you're smart, you won't either. Because I'm telling you right now, Satan is the master deceiver. You are no match for him. I am no match for him. Listen, think about it. One third of all of the angels left heaven with him. We're cast out of heaven. We're no match for Satan. We better build our house on the rock. I was in... Africa a number of years ago, preaching in Zambia. Pastor Jeff went with me, and I, I was exhausted. I, I've told you before, I have never, I, I thought I would never recover from that trip. I Uh, The the jet lag was crazy. It was seven or eight days in when I got home, and I thought, I will never be normal again. I I had preached like six hours a day. The jet lag was crazy. Uh, Pastor Jeff and I were up 54 hours without sleep on the way home. And uh, that's a whole other story. But the last day, we got to go on like a mini safari and, and, you know, I, I wanted to see lion and I want to see all these things. And, and Jamie said, he said, you see that over there? See that animal? That's the one everybody be, better be really worried about. I said, why, man? It looks like a deer. <laughs> you know? it, it, it's no big deal, is it? He said, yeah, it's a big deal. It's called a bush buck, smaller than a white-tailed deer, but they don't go in herds. They are solitary and they look around and when they feel threatened, they will charge and impale you and kill you. Friend, you better be aware of Satan. He is a roaring lion seeking to devour you. Thank God, however, we can build our lives with the material of God and be able to stand when the storm comes. Why do so many build their house on the sand? Why is it that so many people build their house on the sand? Why why do people do that? Why don't they build it on the rock? Well, there's some logical reasons they don't. They build on the sand because it takes a lot less energy, it takes a whole lot less time, and it takes a lot less effort. An hour a day keeps the devil away. I'll run to First Baptist and I'll be there for my hour. Let's see, what time is it? They'd rather lay on the sand beside their nice house that's built on the sand. They'd rather walk the beach and admire their house as they walk on that beach. And they know the danger of it, but they just hope and they pray and they think that they'll be the exception. The storm won't come to their home. The problem is it does come. The problem is it will come. Nobody, I say nobody, will escape the storms of life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. You know what that means? A mature man. You know what that means? A person who built their life on the rock. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth not be children who are tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive. So Jesus now talks. He talks about the two foundations. Both of them are battered. He says, first of all, there's a structure. One of the guys, he built his house on a rock. The other guy, he built his house on the sand. But all of a sudden now, not only does he speak of the structure, he talks about the storm. The storm comes. I have a feeling in his story, he is saying that both of these guys lived in the same extended area because the same storm hits them. You know what a storm is? It's adverse circumstances of life. It's the trials of life. It's the tribulations of life. It's the trouble that comes and and bust up against your home. Bust up against your life. Hey, this storm, this storm was not rotting the foundation you get the idea oh the storm came and the foundation began to rot underneath no 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 that storm didn't rot the foundation it revealed what the foundation already was yeah the storm came but there was something different about these two houses something very different Verse 24 says, one of them was wise. The other guy, Jesus said, he's a fool. Jesus said it. That's strong language. You ever look at somebody and call him a fool? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Yesterday, I, was, I went to, I've been watching basketball. I went to UD Arena and watched games from 1.30 until, I, I wish I could have seen the last one, but I, I mean, I, I took Hudson with me. He's all into it. And there was a guy behind me. Massive dude, massive. I got talking to him before the game started, the fourth fourth game, third third game. And uh, I got talking to him, I mean massive. Uh, Did I say like massive, did I say that yet? (laughs) And we got talking and I asked him where he was from, different accent, all the rest, he was from Gambia. He didn't want to tell me a whole lot. Found out that he played basketball. I asked a lot of questions. Where'd you play? Did you play basketball? Yeah. Where'd you play? You know, told me, but kind of, but not really. Did you play bro- pro ball? Well, the game got started, and I'm telling you what right now, I'm sitting right here, and he's right behind me, and I have never in all of my life, and I've lived quite a few years now, I've never in all my life had somebody yell so loud, so often, so much. It was, he was coaching from behind me, seriously. He was coaching The three guys in front of me were ticked. At halftime, the one guy, big guy, got up. He's there, gets up, I'm here, big dude behind me. (laughs) And he comes back there and he says, did it ever occur to you that you're on the wrong side? But he was real nice after the guy said, Don't touch me. He said, I'm just telling you that, you know, as much as you're yelling, you're on the wrong side. You need to be on the other side of the gym. The guy said, I said, don't touch me. About the third time, the guy said, don't touch me. Guess what little big dude said? Okay, and he sat down. At least he was smart. (laughs) I mean to tell you, all of a sudden, storms come up, and they're going to reveal a lot of things. And Jesus says, Here's two guys, they have two totally different foundations. One guy built on the rock, one guy built on the sand. And everything else in the house is determined by what our foundation has. Um, some of your builders. Um, you know, your windows, your doors, your drywall, your roofs, your trusses. Everything depends on the foundation. If you've ever built a house, you get weary of only seeing the foundation. You go to it every day, don't you? And, and you keep waiting to see some amazing good things come up, but all you see is the foundation. It takes so long in the foundation. Jesus said, a wise man, he built on the rock. The fool, he built on the sand. The sand, it was really quick. The rock, it took a lot of time. The sand, it was really easy. The rock, really hard. The sand, it was a whole lot cheaper. To build on the rock was very expensive. Both of them wanted a house. The rock, that home, the guy heard and took heed. The other guy, Jesus called him a fool, he heard. <laughs> but he disregarded what he heard. You see, information alone, young people, will never cut it. Just coming to church, just listening to Christian radio, just listening to sermons, just listening to a teacher, will never cut it. You've got to take that word and you've got to take heed to it. Did you know the Bible is the most purchased book in the world, but the least read? All of a sudden, Jesus says the storms came up. Some storms are like a hurricane. This one seems to be almost like a hurricane. You say, why do you say that? Because it says the rains came down, the floods came up, and the winds blew. That sounds like a hurricane more to me. I was in Fort Myers in middle of Jan- January, a lot of you helped, and what a blessing it was for you to help. But the STAM said, "Man, we want to take you on a tour and show you the devastation on the island. It was unbelievable. It was a whole lot worse than I thought. It was absolutely crazy. This is what you saw for miles and miles." You saw buildings that were some of them still standing, but they had nothing in them. It was absolute devastation. The hurricanes will find you. Trust me. I know. Someone asked me several months ago, and I'm just telling you what they asked me. I said, how are you still standing? I thought for a second, because you see some trials, you don't see in my life all the trials. The only answer I have is why I'm still standing. Listen, the only answer that I have of why I'm still standing Is because I strived to build my house on the rock before the storms ever came. That was my heart's desire. To build my life on the rock. You can pour a foundation before the storm comes, and that's the wise way to do it. You can repair a foundation after the storm comes, but you'll never fix a foundation in the storm. You can pour the foundation before the storm, you can repair the foundation after the storm, but you can't fix it in the storm. Friend, I'm telling you, you better make sure you're pouring a strong rock foundation when it comes to your marriage. You say, I don't face any storms right now. Then you better keep building a strong foundation because the storm will come. You better make sure to pour a strong financial foundation before the storm ever comes. Some of you, you don't tithe and you don't give to God's work and you're disobeying God. And all of a sudden when the financial storm comes, it's on sandy ground. Man, we better make sure that we know how to pour a strong family foundation before the storm comes to your family. Let me tell you something about storms. They will come up very, very suddenly and they will come up severely. Right? Suddenly? And severely. Just several years ago, COVID hit the world. And for some, you know, it's it's a light thing. For others, it's a major thing. For some, it's like, just get over it. And for others, it's like, I had to bury my family members. Be careful about the judgments that you make on certain circumstances of life. Everything is not worth commenting on. COVID hit. And I was preaching to empty seats. Just a camera. The camera was right about four rows back. And I would stand up here and I'd preach to that camera and most of you listened live stream. And Wednesday nights, Joy and I decided to do something. So we started doing podcasts together. I'll never forget, right about here, circular table, high back chair, high back chair, and you know what our topic was that Wednesday night? Storms. right afterwards found out that Joyce's cancer had come back oh how suddenly and how severely you want to know what the danger is for most people and many people when they hit the storms of life that you cannot explain but they are severe and sudden you want to know what a lot of Christians want to do Hightail it back to Egypt. Like the children of Israel did. They said, why have you brought us here to this place? We knew what we had back there. We were slaves to the ungodly people, but we knew what we had. You brought us out here and look at us now. And they wanted to run back to Egypt. Well, two men, same blueprint. Two homes, both built. Two foundations. Both of them were battered as the storms came. One storm. Different biographies. Different biographies. Their stories were... Ended up totally different. Oh, when the storm came, one guy, his life stood the test. Same storm came, one guy, his life totally collapsed. Jesus said one of them was wise and one of them was foolish. And after the storm, one man, he came and he looked at his uh, house and he looked at his life and he was so relieved because he was still standing. The other guy came and he looked at his house and he saw with total devastation, there was no house left. You know how Jesus in his story, you know what he says? And great was the fall of it. That's Jesus' words in his story. Great was the fall. Huge was the fall of this guy's life. So I ask you today, what does your foundation of your life look like? What does it look like? What does your foundation look like underneath your life? You know why I ask you that? Because I can't see it. And you can't see mine. We can't see the foundation of anyone here. We have no idea. We don't know. It looks good to me. You all look really fine. You look really good on the outside. There's only two individuals that really know. You know? And God knows. Underneath, Judas looked really good to the rest of the disciples. Didn't he? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Here's the one of the 12. His name is Judas. He looks so good to everybody else that 11 of them say, let's make him treasure. Right? This guy is so trustworthy of all of us. They didn't say, me, me, me. They said, man, him. Look at him. Look at him. But actually, Judas was a stinking thief, God says. He was also a sand builder. Jesus knew it, but the rest of them did not. The storm, however, came, and oh, how it came, and it beat up against his life, and what a storm it was, and found out his foundation was rotten to the core. So I conclude today by asking you, I'm just asking you, take The short story of Jesus. And don't just hear today, but take what Jesus says in this amazing sermon and hear it intently and study it and then take heed to it. Are you building on the rock? or are you building on the sand? 12 miles off the coast of Scotland stands the what's called the Bell Rock Lighthouse. It's the world's oldest surviving sea-washed lighthouse. And it's built, and by the way, did I tell you the oldest Lighthouse. Did, did I tell you two hundred years of standing the test? Oh, it's it's built on an acre of solid rock. Right in the middle of the North Sea. Waves and storms, can you imagine have just literally crashed? up against it for not 20 years but 200 years and it's still standing it still stands It's only one reason only one it was built on a solid I debated whether to preach this parable because there are so many in the Bible. Jesus has so many. I really debated whether to... But I was like, how can I not preach this one? Because I have watched for decades. And I have seen lives that look good until the storm came and it breaks my heart because the house has toppled over hey you know what every single one of us are building today every one of us and if the storm hasn't come I'm telling you you better get up to code from the word of God Father I ask and I pray today that you might speak into our lives and God may we take heed to what we hear I pray, Heavenly Father, that Lord, as we have heard so often, we're either coming out of a storm or in a storm or headed into the storm. And God, the storms of life are far more severe than I ever dreamed. I could never have imagined Father, I pray that you might just help us all to be builders with a foundation on the rock, not the sand. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from God's Word. Before you go, if you were encouraged by today's podcast, please rate and review it so more people can discover the message of Christ's love. Thanks again for listening.